You are listening to a Stat Media Group production. This is Cargo Masterminds presented by Cargo One. This is an exclusive one-to-one weekly interview series with leaders from the world's leading air cargo and logistics companies. It is Monday and it is time to catch up with the new Cargo Mastermind with your host, Reggie John. IAG Cargo began in 2011 when British Airways and Iberia came together to form one of the world's biggest cargo networks. Today, IAG Cargo is of five airlines but one cargo carrier. It carries the freshest fruit, cutting-edge tech, endangered species, life-saving drugs, and everything in between. IAG Cargo keeps global trade moving, whatever people need and wherever they need them. IAG Cargo says that they are changing how logistics works, challenging the status quo, and bringing innovation and investment to their customers. To talk about IAG Cargo of today and of tomorrow, I have with me in this episode its Chief Executive Officer, David Shepard. In August 2021, David Shepard returned to IAG Cargo as its Managing Director and in October 2022, he was elevated to the position of its Chief Executive Officer. Dave's appointment was a reflection of the importance of cargo to the IAG Group and how air cargo plays critical role in supporting economies and societies around the world. Dave, uh, welcome to Cargo Masterminds and it is such a delight to have you uh, join us for this conversation and especially in uh, face-to-face here in Mumbai. It's always a delight to be in India, Reggie, and uh, particularly back in Mumbai as well. So, pleasure to be here. Dave, uh, how does it feel coming back to full-time cargo job uh, after a two-year gap, uh, uh, coming back to IAG Cargo where you had a long stint? It feels like coming home, Reggie. I've been part of this business for much of the last 25 years and hopefully a big part of its development over that uh, period in time. Clearly, the last couple of years have felt very different to the uh, the 20 years before that. Uh, the market's been considerably different and therefore we've had to adjust as a business to that. But it's a great privilege to be back running the business and having an opportunity really to uh, determine the strategy and the way forward for this business uh, over, over, over the course of the future. Dave, let's look at uh, your latest available financial numbers, traffic numbers, for that's for Q3 2023. Give us uh, some of the highlights of the results. Uh, I know that revenue is down, but cargo traffic is up. Yields down significantly, perhaps a, a reflection of the depressed market conditions. And, and the huge capacity available. What are your reflections? Well, look, I think that uh, clearly it's been a very tough market this year. If you look at the CTKs by ATKs on a global basis, it's probably the toughest market since the global financial crisis. I think our, our comparables hold up pretty well. Our revenues are down versus last year, but not as far down as many others. Um, but then you look back at the next, the last solid year that we had, or last, I guess, normal year that we had in 2019, revenues are up on the fact that ATKs are down. So, you know, I think that uh, our, our financials are holding up reasonably well. 
Do you expect to have uh, the Q4 uh, revenue better than Q3 and the total revenue for the year better than that of the pre-COVID level uh, of in 2019? Uh, that's about Euro 1.1 billion. Yes, I, I think to, to answer your first question, yes, our Q4 revenues will be up a little bit higher than Q3. Happy to say that. Um, our year-end revenue is a little early to call that, but I'd expect to be very similar to 2019 on much less volume on better yields. What are the market intelligence you're collecting from your customers, uh, shippers, your own staff working in different parts of the world? Uh, on the overall air freight market conditions, how long do you think that the current condition of depressed air freight market will continue? I've only been in the industry for 25 years, so I'm a little bit inexperienced in terms of gazing into the future. I certainly haven't learnt to do that particularly well. I joke, but I think predicting the future in the air freight market is um, a treacherous place to go. Saying that, I think that a number of the macroeconomic indicators that we see at the moment um, see hopefully a little bit of improvement next year to what we've seen this year. I think this year, on top of quite a bit of instability around the world, clearly with what we're seeing in the Middle East, but also clearly the continuing issues that we have in Ukraine. We've got uh, geopolitical issues uh, that, are, that are impacting the world. You're also seeing in many economies around the world increasing interest rates. With inflation beginning to come under control in some of those economies, one might hope that interest rates recede and hopefully, therefore, consumer demand business confidence begins to return to the market. We haven't seen that quite yet, but that's my hope for next year. Are you seeing any positive indication of demand picking up on any of your trade lanes uh, as we are already halfway through the, the last quarter of the year? which is supposed to be one of the best uh, quarter for uh, air freight industry. Well, yeah, quarter four is normally a very strong, uh, the strongest quarter of the year with Black Friday, with Christmas, with Singles Day. I guess the comment that I would make about that was that through Q3, we heard a lot of sort of doom-mongering about how Q4 would look. And I guess we're not seeing that the market has got tighter. Load factors have improved. Yields have stabilized and have increased through quarter four, which is what you would expect to see in a more normalized quarter four. So I'm glad to say that we have seen that trend. We have seen our load factors improve. Yeah, You have your uh, new winter schedule already announced and it is already on uh, increasing frequencies to key destinations. Uh, with these additions, uh, how much available cargo capacity will be added to Q4? And do you have your capacity fully back to the 2019 levels? Sure. Well, in terms of ATKs, our, our capacity is not quite back to 2019 levels. Um, we're flying nearly as many flights, but we're not quite flying them quite as far as we were. We, our Far East schedule is declined on 2019, largely due to the overflight issues around Russia. We're flying more to the US than we were before, and we're now serving more gateways in the US than we ever have before. You know, we're here in India. We're actually next week applying more capacity to the Indian market, not with more frequencies, but with better aircraft. And I would say that is one feature that the pandemic has created is a much stronger linkage with the network teams within our passenger businesses to apply the right capacity to the right route at the right time. So we've got 350s coming into Delhi uh, next week, replacing 787s, and that adds significant capacity to that market. Give us a sense of your top uh, three or five uh 
cargo markets uh, connecting to your four hubs, uh, London, Madrid, Barcelona and Dublin. Yeah, well, you know, I was mentioning the US. We're now flying to, I think, nearly 30 gateways in the US. There's so many I can barely count them. But the US is a massive market, both as a destination market, but also an origin market for us as well. Latin America is huge uh, from Mexico south, an enormous market, largely served through Madrid, uh, but also uh, our low-cost long-haul airline based in Barcelona level also flies to uh, a number of markets in Latin America, and of course, as does British Airways. So Latin America is an immensely important market and a growing, developing economy that, that's maybe not quite growing at the speed of India, but it's growing very fast. And then India uh, would be the other uh, market that's really worth mentioning. We fly to five uh, cities in India, Mumbai, Delhi, uh, Chennai, Hyderabad and Bangalore, all of which are growing economies. Um, you know, we're here at the moment that you cannot but sense the vibrancy, the energy that's in this economy. And I think that British Airways over many years, I think 100 years flying to India next year, uh, has a long history of being here and we're keen to support uh, the growing export, export economy that you have here. Dave, let's uh, maybe talk a little more about India. We are sitting here in Mumbai and uh, you have uh, three daily frequencies uh, out of Mumbai, two daily frequencies out of Delhi, and then you have daily frequencies from uh, Hyderabad, Chennai and Bangalore. You mentioned about uh, that you would have better aircrafts uh, coming into uh, replacing or adding to your 777 and 787. Uh, what are the plans for India specifically? Well, hopefully um, the air services agreement between the UK and India has been under discussion. My understanding is there is a growth in the number of flights that the UK carriers are going to be able to fly into India. We're hopeful of getting some benefit on the British Airways side from that air services agreement negotiation. And we'll see what happens as a result of that. So I'm hoping for more frequencies. We're also hoping to try and develop some partnerships in this part of the world so that we can expand our, our network reach here as well. I would also like you to reflect on uh, maybe the, the rising importance of Air India because it is privatized, it is under the Tata Group. Uh, how do you see that? What are your reflections of uh, Air India as a competitor? Well, look, we welcome competition. We always will. Um, I don't really have much to say about, I, I don't know much about uh, the development of Air India specifically. Um, but it's, we will manage them and we will compete against them in the way we would any other competitor. But it's not a great surprise to see that Air India are growing as a business, as a national carrier. Let's talk about also about some of your product verticals and specific reference to pharma, automotive, aerospace and perishables within India. And then I'll come to the your focus on Africa as well. Talk us about... Uh, how important is India as far as some of your key verticals are concerned? Pharma is an important thing that we see it at the, at the back here. Absolutely massive. And I guess the thing to say first about India is the diversity in the manufacturing base within the country is clearly enormous. It's a massive manufacturing base for pharmaceutical, production base for pharmaceutical, uh, but also for perishable as well. Also for automotive, the automotive industry is absolutely enormous. Um, many different manufacturers have plants here and many that, that obviously attracts uh, component manufacturers to the country as well who then export uh, some of those components. So it's, it's, it's massive in terms of its size and scale, but the diversity is very important for us as well. As you know, we have invested heavily in making sure that our pharmaceutical product constant climate 
is world leading in terms of the way in which we can satisfy uh, manufacturers' demands for uh, high quality, temperature controlled pharmaceutical movement goods. What are your reflections on your Africa expansion, African network? Uh, perishables is an important export commodity out of Africa. Yes, that's huge. My first job in cargo was was running our business in Africa and it will always have a place in my heart. It's a very important part of our our network. And you know, the African market's not purely about perishables, but perishables is, a, is an important part of it. And we continue to serve the Kenyan markets, the Ghanaian markets and South African markets in particular, with strong capacity and uh, perishables important part. But as is textiles, uh, an important, again, we've just talked about India and the diversity of the product mix and the manufacturing base. That's beginning to happen in Africa as well with investment and expansion. In terms of uh, growth of your product verticals, where do you see rapid growth, uh, both in terms of volume and value? Right across the uh, supply chain, to be perfectly honest with you, Reggie. Um, you know, we wouldn't invest in a facility at London Heathrow in the way that we have. We've spent uh, over 100 million euros developing a brand new premium facility at London Heathrow, largely to cope with the growth and demand for fast-moving, prioritised goods. Uh, so that's the express section of our business, but also to cope with expanding and increasing demands on the pharmaceutical side of the business as well. So those are by far the fastest growing parts of our business. And uh, when it comes to investment into infrastructure, whether it is a physical or a digital infrastructure, uh, you made a hundred million investment in, in your London facility. What about the other facilities that you, other hubs that you have, are there anything being planned? Absolutely. So we're at this point in time, we're improving our perishable handling facilities in Madrid. Again, you know, we talked about the African market a moment ago, um, the biggest proportion by commodity type that comes out of Latin America is of course perishables as well, and whether it's fish or whether it's flowers or whether it's fruit or veg, all of those commodities hit our Madrid hub in, in, in sizable quantity and therefore making sure you can imagine the temperatures we get in Madrid are significantly higher than they happen to be in London most of the year round, making sure that that temperature, the, the product quality and the integrity of the product is held at an appropriate level for the customer is paramount. So we're investing in Madrid as well. Going by the news that are coming out uh, in terms of um, carriers ordering freighters, all because of the rapid growth that they see in the cross-border e-commerce. Uh, how bullish are you in terms of uh, volume coming from e-commerce channels for you? Oh, we're beginning to see plenty of volume in terms of e-commerce, whether it's enough to tip me over the edge and actually invest in freighters is a very different question altogether. We think we've got the right proposition with the right partnerships in place such that we uh, we can survive without owning freighters at this point in time but certainly e-commerce is a growing demand uh, and a, a growing sector within within our freight no question let's talk about digitalization i think you've been involved in the in the digital transformation of iag cargo right now as well as in your previous stint uh, how important is digitalization in terms of tracking traceability and in terms of providing the visibility to your customers uh, and what are the kind of investment that you are making on the digital infrastructure? Well, I think firstly, it's absolutely crucial because we're beginning to see generations of talent beginning to join the business who know no other way. Quite frankly, you give them analog ways of doing business and they look at you as if you're from the moon. So I think that it's going to be 
a hygiene factor within a business to work in a digital manner in the future. And I think our industry hasn't really kept pace with many other industries um, in terms of enabling digitization. So, you know, if you look at one record and standardization of messaging um, standards throughout the industry, I think that's absolutely critical. I would say that. But ways in which we're looking at our business, we have improved the way that we price within our business, identifying the right price for the right customer at the right time and putting it in all available channels. That will be something we'll be doing throughout 2024. We're looking at ways that we can enable our sales team better digitally uh, by application Salesforce within our business as well. So a number of different ways in which we're, we're working for customers and crucially for our employees as well. Dave, sustainability and net zero, these are two key goals of the global airline industry. We have seen increasing in a number of initiatives between airlines and forwarders committing to purchase of SAV. What do you think about the importance of these small steps and what do you think can be done to increase uh, such commitments uh, by forwarders and shippers? I don't think there's been any lack of appetite from forwarders in terms of committing to SAV purchases. We've been very lucky to work with a number, DHL, Kunanagal, Balori, to name a few, who have worked with us and purchased SAF in order to facilitate their shipments in very sizable quantity as well, Reggie. The industry depends on SAF for its future in terms of a more sustainable future. IAG was the first airline group to commit to net zero by 2050. We all know that it's the availability of SAF in the short term and the medium term that's really the critical issue here. There isn't enough being produced really to go around to move at the pace that we would like to. I would also say, however, that it's not just about SAF, it's about the way in which we can better improve the way that we do our ground operations as well. So three things that we're looking at, we're like many others driving towards 100% ERA build to try and produce to take paper off the, the aircraft, uh, take paper out of the system generally. And I think that, you know, the industry needs to do better than just the Weibull. There are still far too many documents flying around in pouches uh, accompanying cargo around the world. So we need to get past air Weibulls and into other documents as well. We are trying, believe it or not, in London, where sunshine isn't necessarily always the most plentiful, uh, to harness solar energy to try and power our operations as well. And the third thing we're doing, our ground operations in London depend upon clearly taking the freight from our cargo operations to the aircraft. And those vehicles that do that, we're slowly but surely finding a way uh, to electrify those vehicles. We're operating with an electric Turberg vehicle today, uh, trialling those and hopefully uh, later in this decade, we'll be going to a full operation. Dave, tell us a bit about your Forward.Rewards loyalty program. Uh, it has been five years since its launch. Uh, how strong is the growth in transactions by SME forwarders over the years? Well, it's been very strong, very popular here in India in particular, Reggie, but all around the world. Uh, we believe in rewarding loyalty uh, to our business. It's a fantastic uh, program. I guess the you know justification of that is the number of people who are in the program who earn points, who burn their points as well, and create many different rewards that they can enjoy. So it's a, it's a great program and our customers seem to enjoy it. Dave, uh, I'd like to end this conversation uh, with this question. As the CEO of IAG Cargo, what are your key priorities for 2024, which is expected to remain very challenging for the global economy and for the global air freight market? I guess my priorities for next year are very, very clear. We clearly need to make a return for our 
our shareholders on the one hand. Uh, we need to continue to transform our business as well. Uh, so the program of work that we need to move through to further digitize our business, to improve our business for our customers, to make ourselves more customer friendly and more easy to do business with for our customers is very important as well. We need to become a much more sustainable operation as I've described. But also I think in terms of people, it's important that we make IEG Cargo a great place to work for people and that's a priority for me as well. Attracting the right talent, retaining the right talent is very, very important and that's a big stream of the work that we're doing to try and transform our business. So those are probably my four key priorities for next year. Dave, thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to have you here with us here in Mumbai and have this conversation. Thank you very much for having me, Reggie. Lovely to be here too. Thank you. That was David Shepard, Chief Executive Officer of IAG Cargo. That's it from us at Stat Media Group. We bring Cargo Masterminds every Monday. Thanks for tuning in and come back next Monday for a fresh episode.